When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fantasy Favorites podcast. I am your host, Tony Squares, along with the co-host, the player prop prince himself, Mr. Chris Dell, sports editor at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and their lead fantasy analyst. We are a member of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're presented by them, a member of the North Shore Drive podcast family. And you can catch us live on YouTube at PG Sports Now. That's the YouTube channel. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Show us some love because we're showing you some winners. We're going through all the players we can today from every positional group to give you some winners in your fantasy league, some people to target, some people that might be still available on the waiver wire, some people you're deciding between on your bench. Who am I going to start? Who am I going to sit? We are giving you all the answers we can today for week two. Mr. Dell, how did you do your first week of the fantasy season? We had it. It happened. A lot of defense, not a lot of scoring. Did you actually find some gems out there? Uh, I, I mean, it, w- it was a mixed bag of tricks, that's for sure. There's some players that were locked into people's starting lineups that put up straight goose eggs. Uh, Dallas Goddard, Drake London are just two of the guys who were pretty much consensus, you know, top 20 players at their position, top 10 for Goddard. Uh, and you wonder – and here's the thing. It's like you don't want to overreact to week one. Week one is overreaction week of the NFL for fantasy football, for betting – and I think you, what we want to do is we want to take advantage of people overreacting. I'm in one league where uh, my, my projections this week have me for 140-plus points, and last week I scored 80. It was just I had yeah. Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Adams all on the same team. It's a keeper league, and I had the worst, one of the worst scores of the week. So you know what? I'm yeah. not going to fret about it. Uh, I'm happy about some of the hits. Some of the misses, uh, what you got to do is you either change change course, you take the information in, and you try not to be stubborn about it because being successful at fantasy football is being, being willing to change and adjust your opinion on the fly. So I pretty much was half and half across the different leagues I had, uh, but I'm definitely ready to start attacking that overreaction and start uh, getting that win percentage a little higher for week two and beyond, man. Uh, I'm excited for it too. I had a lot of fun this fantasy week. I am. You're talking to one of the only people in America that actually drafted Puka Nakua. I didn't start him, but he's on my bench, and I'm very happy he's there. And there are some players out there that I was right on. There are some players out there that I don't think I was right on, and I've already cut bait with. And but now is the time we're starting to figure out what these players are, what our projections were, what our what our scientific facts were, and we're trying to get back 
the information we can from the research that we've done. And let's dive right in, man. Let's go into week two. We've seen these guys play. Everyone's had a few snaps, some more than Aaron Rodgers. And now we get to dive in to see exactly what we can do for week two to make ourselves better. Maybe you lost Aaron Rodgers. Maybe you lost one of your quarterbacks, one of your players already. J.K. Dobbins might have been your running back. We're trying to help you rebuild because it's not over yet. There's plenty of time to get this team together and get some wins. So let's dive into the quarterback position, a position that was a remarkable. Mac Jones was the QB2. Tua, Tua was the QB1, which you gave out last week, Chris Dell, is a guy you wanted to highlight. Uh, uh, Jordan Love, my guy, the reason I'm wearing a Green Bay jersey right now, finished as the QB3 thanks to playing the awful Chicago Bears defense. Anything can happen to the quarterback position, but we're trying to tell you exactly where to go. Last week, we did pretty well here. As I said, you gave out Tua, who was a QB1. I gave out Herbert, who was a QB4. And uh, I will say, though, your bust of the week was uh, Deshaun Watson, who somehow ended up rolled in a monsoon to being the QB6, thanks to whatever the heck Cincinnati was doing on defense. So let's stay away from giving out a bust of a QB6. But the first person we're talking about this week, Chris Dell, who is it? Yeah, you know, one of the quarterbacks that I was really high on in the preseason, and uh, I, I had tempered expectations in week one. Let's just put it that way, Tony. But you know my guy, uh, one of my three favorites that I wanted to draft a lot of was the rookie oh, Anthony no. Richardson. Oh, and, no. you know, Anthony Richardson came out, and look, I, I thought personally that he was going to be the, the Tim Tebow of 2023, Tony, that yep. he was going to – Run, run, run some more, but then yep. terrible passing the ball. But you know what? He actually looked pretty good throwing the ball in week one. He and, really and did. You start to think about what Shane Steichen and, – and look, this is as small as sample as you can get. Look at the first week of Jalen Hurts without Shane Steichen and look at the first week of Anthony Richardson with Shane Steichen in Indianapolis. And I'm not saying that that's how it's going to play out the rest of the year, but – it's not like he played against some cupcake defense and he fed Michael Pittman the ball, a guy who I was low on, who I was wrong on in that aspect. He fed the rookie uh, Josh Downs out of the slot. Even the running backs were involved in the passing game, which was very yeah. surprising to me. But this is to me is a schemed, uh, uh, strategically, specifically schemed type of offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rushing touchdown, yes, technically that got us up there. But Anthony Richardson, he finished as the quarterback four overall. I mean, it, it's funny to think of who the top five quarterbacks were. Tua Tugavailoa, Mac Jones, Jordan Love, Anthony Richardson, Deshaun Watson. I no one in a, no one in a million billion years would have guessed that, but I, I really like Anthony Richardson this week. He gets an even better matchup on paper against the Houston Texans, uh, who yeah they were able to pressure Lamar Jackson a little bit, but I think just another week under Anthony Richardson's belt, another week of chemistry and comfortability in the pocket. His injury situation is not serious. He was a full go in practice here on Wednesday. So uh, I, I'm riding this guy all year long. If you've got him on your roster, you're starting him uh, unless he gets hurt or unless he somehow gets benched because of some type of injury. So Anthony Richardson's my guy. I've got him ranked as the QB3 overall this week. I've got Anthony, I've got Anthony Richardson ranked ahead of Josh Allen, ahead of Patrick Mahomes, oh. Justin Herbert. I've actually got him QB2 only behind Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to explode this week in week two. 
All right, that is a way to start off the show. A, a. Rich being the uh, the first QB out the gate. Let me give you my first quarterback I want to talk about. And this is a guy I circled based on the games I saw, re-watching all these games, seeing how the matchups worked out. And this is a guy I'm actually selling on. I don't think he's going to do as well as he did last week. I, I do think he's playing a much tougher team this week because of just based on what they did to the quarterback they played week one. And this quarterback that I am selling on that I just don't think is going to reach as high as he did the week before is Anthony Richardson of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm not joking you, Chris. That's the guy I had written down because you are absolutely right. A. Rich looked much better as a passer than I thought he ever would. He also uh, had the most designed QB runs out of anyone in the NFL, which is great for fantasy options. He obviously ran in the red zone touchdown for the first one, and he was spreading the ball around to guys like Kylan Granson and Mo Alley Cox. He was making throws all over the place. I will say... The Jacksonville defense gave no pressure to Anthony Richardson and the Indianapolis Colts whatsoever. And when A. Rich had to drop back and throw the ball when they were behind, which they will be behind most most weeks in the year, it was not a good look. And Anthony Richardson was throwing balls that were intercepted or close to being intercepted a lot. I am also not big on the running game with what's happening in Indianapolis. It's all going to be on Anthony Richardson's shoulders. And as the season goes along, teams will adjust to that. However... The other thing that impressed me the most last week was how good Houston's defense was against a Baltimore offense that I really, really liked this year. They made Lamar's life really difficult, especially when he tried to escape the pocket and get some runs himself. They were not good at stopping the run. They were not J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards were getting by on this Houston team. But when it came to passing, when it came to Lamar Jackson dropping back, they were able to get pressure on him with Will Anderson and others on the defensive line. And they were able to really stop other than Zay Flowers. And believe me, Indianapolis doesn't have a Zay Flowers. Other than Zay Flowers, they were able to stop some wide receivers there in Baltimore from getting open and making plays. I think Anthony Richardson, who will do well because of his rushing capability, that floor is extremely high. I think you can find a lot of players who are going to outscore him this week because I do think Houston punches some people in the mouth. And it's going to be a very fun game. I don't know who's going to win. I do think it's going to be lower scoring. And I do not like, I do not trust Anthony Richardson this week against that Houston defense. So that's, I'm not even joking. That was the first quarter. That was the first name I had. I was going to talk about him no matter what. And we're dead set against each other. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Head to head. You got you to you be willing to live it a little dangerously in fantasy football. And like you said, it could be ugly. He could struggle throwing the ball a little more this week, but I, I put more stock into Jacksonville's defense than I do Houston's defense. Baltimore had some offensive line injuries. Uh, Lamar Jackson had the worst out of all 32 starting quarterbacks, worst quarterback rating, went under pressure in week mm-hmm. one. I don't, I don't know if that's a compliment to the Texans' defensive line or uh, really a negative towards the Ravens' uh, offensive mm-hmm. line or the first week of them in the Todd Monk and Air Raid offense, but – We'll see. I think with the rushing floor, like you said, Anthony Richardson led the NFL in quarterback rush attempts. He had 10 overall, including scrambles. Justin Fields had nine. Uh, But again, this is a situation where it doesn't got to look pretty in real life. Uh, It's going to get there for you. And he's ranked right now in the industry at QB nine. So I I think if you got him, you start him. 
because I don't know if you have it, you know, maybe you have him and Daniel Jones, maybe you have him and Geno Smith. I'd start Richardson over those two guys this week. Uh, yeah, uh, nobody should ever start Daniel Jones ever again. QB number two, though, who are we talking about, Dell? Yeah, so I, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to a guy I, I believe I gave him out as a sleeper, one of my guys last week. I'm going right back to the commanders. I'm going to Sam Howell. Uh, Interesting. He actually finished as a top 12 quarterback. You know, it, it didn't look pretty. Uh, they they almost dropped a huge game to the tanking Arizona Cardinals team. But at the same time, we saw why we liked Sam Howell coming into this season because he runs the ball. He had – uh, a rushing touchdown, yep. but in a game where I think that they realized they needed to use his legs a little more to be successful. Terry McLaurin was nowhere near 100% in that matchup either. So I think going here in week two, again, like this is Sam Howell's first full year as a starter. This is a guy that I, I think it's like, look, you probably have better options, but if for some reason you waited till the final rounds of your draft to take a quarterback, I, I think he's more than a viable streamer at the quarterback position right now, I have Sam Howell ranked inside my top 13. So I think he's a borderline starter. You're going to get another week with Terry McLaurin. I think that the commanders shook the rust off a little bit. They got the win. And I don't think they're going to be caught off guard again. And when you're looking at the schedule overall, I'm not concerned uh, about their matchup coming up here against the Broncos, a team that's looking like they're just in all yeah. sorts of disarray, both offensively and defensively. Uh, losing to the Raiders in week one. Sean Payton doesn't look like he has the answers either. So I'm going to bet on Howell to run a little bit more, yeah. to have a healthier McLaurin. I think he'll be a borderline starter again, just like he was in week one. The thing that scared me about Sam Howell and Washington as a whole, Sam Howell is one of the most sacked quarterbacks last week, and I don't think Arizona is very good. They were very aggressive, though, Arizona was, and Washington could not keep up with it. So I wonder if other defenses are going to notice that and send more blitzes at Sam Howell than usual. But I'm right there with you. I, his, his rushing ability definitely takes the cake. I'm surprised he's not one of your sleepers, though, because he's still going to be pretty low. This guy, however, I would start over Sam Howell. I would start over Anthony Richardson, and he does not have the rushing ability. So that, you know, I understand rushing you want that rushing quarterback this guy's a pure pocket passer i just believe the matchup is ripe it's jared goff of the detroit lions uh this detroit team did really well against kansas city kansas city has a great defensive coordinator to try and take away things they want to do well and they also have a bunch of young guys detroit does that they're trying to get along like sam laporta and jameer gibbs and they still want a very tough game in kansas city this offense it just plays really really efficient ball and yes i know it's josh reynolds yes i know it's marvin jones they can really throw the ball to whoever they want because of the way the offense is planned out. And they're playing a team, uh, Seattle, who was one of the most disappointing teams from week one. Nothing Seattle did worked out well. And I think Seattle's really going to struggle to put up points themselves because of all the injuries that they now have on the offensive line. On the other side of the field, Matt Stafford did whatever he wanted to do against this Seattle defense. Now, could that be a divisional thing? Matt Stafford knows and, and Sean McVay knows what Seattle is going to run so they can beat it. I don't believe so. The middle of the field was wide open, whether it was Tyler Higby, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, that middle of the field, intermediate to deep, was wide open. And there is no one in the NFL, no one, I, you know, Pat Mahomes and the best of the best are different, but no one in the NFL of the mediocre to good quarterbacks better at throwing to the middle of the field than Jared Goff. Give me a three-step drop. Give me a planned, you know, this is the rhythm of the play. Jared comes out of 10, and he has players to do so. Amon Ross St. Brown should eat so much in this game, and I have Jared Goff being the recipient of a lot of passing yards and a lot of passing touchdowns. Love Goff as my QB here. I'd start him almost. I'd really put him really high in my personal QB rankings for this week and this week alone. 
these two teams played against each other last week. They both scored 40 points. That's all I got to say. Dell, uh, last QB we're going to talk about. It is the official sleeper of the week. Drum roll, please. And it's a QB. Who's it going to be? Because I got one too, baby. I'm giving you a surprise if you don't name the guy I want you to name. We got the bonus sleeper, man. I, 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 Zach Wilson with the New York Jets. Are you kidding me? No, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Tonight. Okay, right. <laughs> I was gonna have to end this show. <laughs> no, uh, so this is a guy I have ranked right next to Sam. I've actually got him ranked one uh, spot ahead. So whether you want to consider this sleeper starter or whatever, I think both these guys, both him and Howell, qualify as sleepers technically in, in terms of quarterbacks for this week. But you know, I, I really like Brock Purdy a lot uh, in week two, uh, okay. and I'm, I'm not concerned about. The matchup, Los Angeles came into this – they're playing against the Rams in week two, the 49ers are. Los Angeles came into the year uh, supposedly with one of the worst defenses in the league, but they looked pretty good in week one against a Seattle team that had its own myriad of, inj- uh, of issues and injuries on their offensive line as well. But when you look at what Brock Purdy has done and been able to do, he was a top-10 fantasy quarterback in a game where the, the 49ers just – simply didn't need to throw the ball at all in the second half. He was very efficient. You know, we know he, he's he's got wheels if he needs it. He added three carries for 20 yards. He has the mobility to extend plays in the pocket. I expect a much more competitive game here. And if these two teams even push each other just a little bit, you know, we have a total of in the mid-40s. And I think that's the Vegas market showing us that, you know, this isn't going to be your typical, like, grinded out 49ers, Rams, defensive slog. The Rams yeah. offense looked halfway decent, if not really good, in week one. I don't, I don't know if they look as good in week two against this Niners defense, but I expect a little bit of back, back and forth offensive efficiency from both sides here. I trust Kyle Shanahan. I, I trust Sean McVay calling plays on the other side. So, Purdy, to me, I think he's got an even higher ceiling than he did in week one uh, to where we're talking about quarterback 10 in week one. My only concern with him coming to the year is, is he really healthy? Is his arm, his elbow going to be right? Uh, those things look good, and, and look at the weapons he has, man. Christian McCaffrey, Debo, IU, George Kittle even uh, getting a little bit healthier as the weeks go on. So I like Brock Purdy a lot. He's one of those guys, again, if you had a guy you were disappointed in week one, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, I- I've got those guys all grouped together around that QB9, QB13 range. I, I would not hesitate to start Purdy uh, if you need a spot start for week two. I like Purdy. I like Purdy a lot. I uh, I do think I would start Purdy. I would start Howell. I would start Anthony Richardson. I would start Jared Goff. All the players we've named over the player I'm about to name. This is an emergent break glass in case of emergency quarterback. Are you in a deep league? Did you have Aaron Rodgers on your team? Maybe you had Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones as your two quarterbacks. And now you're like, oh, my God, what do I do? There's a guy that I guarantee you is available on your wave wire. And it's a name you know and a name that you hate, but a name for an offense that did really, really well and surprised a lot of people. Why do they do really well? Because they have excellent players, excellent skill position players, and a decent enough offensive line for right now. And they played a defense that was just terrible. And what happens this week? They play a defense that is just terrible. Uh, Dell, can you tell me again, who was the QB2 in the rankings from week one? Uh, Mac Jones finished QB two. Oh, I'm so so sorry. Who was the QB three in the rankings for Mac one for week uh, one? Uh, <laughs> your your boy Jordan Love, man. It, it was my boy Jordan Love. I'm not telling you to start Jordan Love. I'm telling you Jordan Love is the QB three from last week because he played the awful, repugnant, terrible, putrid Chicago Bears defense. And you know who plays the Chicago Bears defense? The guy who finished QB 12 last week, it's Baker Mayfield. That's the sleeper of the week. I Again, you don't want to start Baker unless you absolutely have to. But if you're stuck between like the Baker, Ryan Tannehill, Desmond Howard, what do I do in this waiver wire? 
go for Baker. He's going to win you this week. That's the sleeper. But let's talk about running backs, okay? Spent way too long talking about quarterbacks. Going to power through some of these running backs here because a lot of them were surprises. A lot of them were big-time surprises this uh, in week one. And, of course, we had J.K. Dobbins go down, which you never want to see. We have some running backs coming back from injury. It's very interesting to see where this position goes. And we had a lot of, uh, of split carry backfields that we did not prognosticate correctly. Tank Bigsby, where were you? Where were you, Tank Bigsby? It was all Travis Etienne. But that's okay. We're trying to find more guys for week two. Dell, first running back we're talking about, who is it? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to start at the top of the board and, and I won't just name all guys in the top 10. But to me, it's Tony Pollard, first and foremost, for week two. Uh, the matchup, Tony Pollard. You the matchup. Tony I know Pollard. it's 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 every week I'm I'm obligated for advertising purposes to talk about Tony Pollard. But I mean, look, look at what he did. He, he was a top five running back in week one and he barely played in the second half. And we yeah. talked about it in the preseason episodes, this Dallas Cowboys not just the offense, but the backfield has been a fantasy goldmine for years now. And we saw, you know, with the departure of Zeke Elliott, all those, all those touches, all those touchdowns. I mean, look, in the second half, we saw Rico Dowdle, Kevante Turpin, Deuce Vaughn. They combined for 15 carries. Tony Pollard only had 14 carries in the game, scored two rushing touchdowns. In the receiving game, only had three targets. I expect in any type of competitive game for those targets to go up. But we could see another game very similar to what we saw in week one because the Cowboys are playing against – uh, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets here. And I know the Jets pulled out the, you know, gutty borderline miracle win on Monday Night Football, but I, I think things come back to reality, especially with Zach Wilson facing this Cowboys defense. So, uh, again, like Pollard, you're going to start him if you have him, but I think for DFS, I think for trade purposes, like if you can somehow target this guy to get him on your team, I'm in a league, for example, where I'm loaded at wide receiver, but my running backs are average. And I've got a guy who's in the opposite situation. He's loaded at running back, but his wide receivers are terrible. I'm trying to trade one of my starting wide receivers away to get Tony Pollard. And I think that that's something that you can can do if you drafted wide receiver heavy. So I've got Pollard ranked as RB2. Uh, industry right now has Pollard ranked as RB6. And that was the same thing that happened last week. He was RB8 or 9. I had him as the RB2 or 3 overall. So I'm very high in the ceiling outcome for Tony Pollard again in week two here. Uh, I'll only be uh, less surprised if your next running back is Alexander Madison is the two running backs that you love more than anyone in the whole entire world, Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison. But I'm about to give you the first running back off of my list. And last week when I gave you the first running back off of my list, he ended as the first running back overall in fantasy. And that's my guy, Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, listen, I'm all about matchups. I'm all about defense. I'm all about uh, what did teams do in the previous few games that we saw that we can capitalize on. And if you look at the running back rankings from week one, you're going to see two running backs from the same team in the top 12. And that's because this defense that they played let up over 230 yards rushing in a single football game. And that's the team that's playing against Miami. New England knows that they now have a chance to make the playoffs. New England knows that with the Aaron Rodgers injury, with the Bills looking as bad as they do, they're really focusing on Miami. And who do they get this week? They get Miami at home at Gillette. And they need to win after losing to Philadelphia, a game that they should have won themselves. How do you beat this high-flying two of Miami offense? Two through for over. How many yards did he throw Tyreek Hill all over the place? You beat them the same way the Rams beat Seattle, by running the ball down their throats and just – bit by bit, piece by piece, controlling that time of possession. And the number one player to do that on New England is Ramondre Stevenson. If you have him, you're starting him. If you're deciding between Ramondre and another guy, you need to start Ramondre because, again, Austin Eckler destroyed 
this Miami defense, and so did his backup Joshua Kelly, whether it was in passing out of the backfield or whether it was running straight up the gut. This is going to be New England's bread and butter. They were going to pound this team. I know they have injuries along the interior of the offensive line, but I thought they played pretty well against the, one of the best defensive lines in the world in uh, Philadelphia. I think they beat the crap out of this Miami team in the trenches, and I think Ramondre is better off for it. That's my number one running back. I do think he finishes RB1 this week just because Miami can't stop it. Dell, your third RB, or, or I guess second RB, the third one we're talking about. Yeah, so, so not, not Madison. Uh, I'll, I'll go to a different guy here, but uh, I'll work my way down to the RB2 range, and it's the guy actually I've ranked in the top 10, but right now consensus has him ranked as RB26. I have mm. him as RB9, and we, mm. saw, we saw him on Monday night, man. It was, it's Brees Hall. Uh, unbelievable. First yeah. off, unbelievable that he looked as good as he did after just blowing himself up last year. Uh, the, the, the recovery is unreal. And I don't think that he's 100% either, but he's healthy enough to play. When you look at the split, Dalvin Cook ended that game with more carries, 13 carries for 33 yards, averaged a paltry uh, 2.5 yards per carry, whereas Brees Hall averaged 12.7. Even if you take away the 80-yard game by Brees Hall, which is what he showed us he can do quite often last season in his rookie year, he still would have had nine carries for almost 50 yards. So he's averaging a healthy five, six yards per carry, even without the big run. We saw him get a couple targets in the passing game. But, you know, this is who the, the Jets will have to rely on if they want to have any chance at continuing to maybe make the playoffs, no matter what they do at the quarterback position. So Dallas, I, I think that they have a great pass rush. They have a very talented secondary. The one area where teams have had success these last couple seasons against them has been on the ground, and I believe that you're looking in week two coming out. I expect Brees Hall to get way more than 10 carries in this game. I expect him to get more than two targets, and when you look at his efficiency, his touchdown equity, his target potential, uh, to me, he's got to be at least in the top 15. I think the market is just 10 spots too low because they see the three letters, D-A-L, on the opponent matchup, and they're scared of that Cowboys defense, but Brees Hall is going to get a ton of touches in this game, and I think he'll get there even if he doesn't score a touchdown. So he's actually the guy I'm highest on looking at the top 20, top 30 running backs here for week two. I like it. I like it a lot. And there's a lot of running backs out there that I don't like. Uh, a lot of running back names that finished really high last week that I don't think are going to continue finishing at that level. And we're going to do a little bit of a buy or sell segment later on in the show with some of those names. But I, 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 I will say Brees Hall is a guy that I'm buying completely. And I'm right there with you, Dell. Uh, a guy that I'm also buying completely from that just cavalcade of people that just surprisingly did so much better than last uh, last week is Tyler Algier of the Atlanta Falcons. Not because I don't believe in uh, uh, um, what's his face, Bijan. Not because I don't believe in Bijan's capability. You saw him; he's excellent. I think you have two RB ones in this offense. I really do because of Atlanta's commitment to continuously run the ball. At at the <laughs> listen, if you drafted Drake London or Kyle Pitts, I'm sorry, uh, they're not going to do much for you. But if you drafted Tyler Algier, Bijan, you could have <laughs> amazing years in fantasy. And Algier. He had almost 50% of the snaps, and every time he touched the ball, he deserved to be out there. He was bowling people over. 
he had some more, uh, some of the best broken tackles I've seen. And maybe it was a bad tackling team in Carolina they were playing. But be, uh, Tyler Algier ran people over, over and over and over again. And I just think he's going to be used in a facet in that offense. The Chicago running backs had a lot of room to move against the Green Bay defense this week. They weren't able to capitalize on it until later on in the game. Roshan Johnson had a great first uh, career game. And this Green Bay defense wants to step back and wants to defend the pass. Desmond Ritter needs to be able to stretch the field to keep Green Bay's defensive backs back there, but I think they do enough, and the Arthur Smith's run concepts are so beautiful that I think doesn't matter. It's going to be a successful running game against my Green Bay defense. Tyler Algier is my RB2. I'm starting him this week, and I'm starting him every week. He's cemented in there. Dell, the last running back we're going to talk about, it's not a good guy. It's not the sleeper of the week. That was already in the quarterback. We're talking about the bust of the week, the bust of the week, and you are pretty good at getting busts because uh, last week you gave out DeAndre Swift as your uh, – oh, no, I'm sorry. You wanted people to play DeAndre Swift last week, so never mind. Maybe maybe we should reverse this. Either way, you got your nose uh, on the bus. Who we got? Let, let's not forget, you're the one that said you were down on Tua Tagovailoa, my friend. All right, Tony? We'll, 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 have to, we'll, we'll have to compare the Anthony Richardson t- uh, totals after week two. But no, I mean, look. Uh, this is a guy I talked about as, as one of my preseason busts. If you, if you listen to this show, uh, you mentioned Kyle Pitts before. Uh, if you listen to this show and you take our advice, you probably didn't draft Kyle Pitts. If you listen yeah. to this show on running backs, you probably didn't draft any Najee Harris. But if you somehow did, Najee Harris is someone I'm not touching <laughs> with a 10-foot pole at week two, man. I don't, I don't care. You know, look, the matchup, let's say, in week one was as tough as you're ever going to get against the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. But um, – you know, this Cleveland Browns defense is pretty good too, man. I mean, look at what they did to my guy, Joey B. So, uh, look, Najee Harris, we talked about this ad nauseum, that second half of last year's regular season, he essentially lost his pass game role to Jalen Warren. Third down snaps, no huddle, two-minute drill, et cetera, et cetera. What did we see in the preseason when they played their starters? The same type of usage for Najee compared to Warren. What did we see in week one? The exact same thing. Najee, I mean, Najee was actually out-touched by Jalen Warren in this game and his efficiency on the ground was just God awful outside of one lucky 20 yard run that he sprung out off the right tackle. Uh, uh, you saw some of the quotes from the San Francisco 49ers defense. They were actually hoping that the Steelers would get a first down so they could actually get a little bit of rest and not have to that rush. That was an insane quote. It, it, it was so bad. And, and it's not because I'm in Pittsburgh here or this is a, a post-gazette show. I think a lot of Steelers fans know that Najee, when he has a tough matchup, he really struggles uh, in terms of yards after tackle, in terms of what he can break off after first contact. So for me, Najee Harris, look, in week one, he was RB45 and half PPR scoring. Yeah. And I- I'm trying to be as low as possible in the rankings. I've got him at RB37, which would mm. actually be an improvement off week mm. one. But the problem is the industry continues to rank him so high based off the fact he's a former first-round pick and he had a great rookie season. We're now two years removed from that. Uh, the yeah. industry has him at RB20. I think RB37 is being generous. I'm not starting him unless I'm in the absolute deepest of leagues and I'm completely desperate because of injuries this week. Oh, that's so sad. That's uh, The Pittsburgh faithful that watch this show and listen to this podcast, they suffered enough last week. It was the worst. <laughs> oh, man, I can't believe being a Pittsburgh fan and watching that game last week. And now you're just burying them some more with taking their boy Najee out to the back like he's old yeller. Unbelievable. Let's move I on. had Jalen Warren ranked ahead of Najee. I had Jalen <laughs> Warren ranked ahead of Najee in week one. I ranked Jalen Warren ahead of Najee for the preseason draft rankings, too. <laughs> 
and I'm sticking to it, man. And your boy Frymuth caught a touchdown. But let's move on to the wide receivers. Dell, I'm going right back to you. I want to rifle through these wide receivers here. Uh, uh, who's the first wide receiver you want to talk about in a position that was unbelievably surprising this week? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think what one guy that you got to look at that's kind of sandwiched in that top 20 range that in week one, I had him on the team. I didn't even start him. But, you know, this is one performance that I'm not going to overreact to. And it's going back to the San Francisco 49ers and Brandon Ayuk. I think that yeah. wide receiver 15 is not high enough. I, I would put him as a borderline locked in top 12, top 10 wide receiver this week. Uh, he, he gets arguably an even better matchup than he did against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. And what, yep. what, we, what do we talk about with Purdy in this passing game? They didn't need to throw the ball hardly, if at all, in the second half. I, I expect this to be a little bit more competitive here in week two to where they're going to need to throw the ball with a little bit more urgency. And yes, Debo is there, Kittle, CMC. Yes, they're all there. But CMC is not going to rush for 160 yards on the ground every single week either. So I think Brandon Ayuk, we saw from the second that Purdy took over that job last season, Ayuk was the number one target earner in that offense, despite yeah. a, a very talented and very crowded receiver core, if you include McCaffrey in that mix. So I, I've got Ayuk locked in as my starter uh, for the rest of the year. I'm starting him over my guy, Mike Williams, who I was very high on entering the season, uh, even though I do still like Mike Williams. Yeah, another another guy, surprisingly, surprisingly, Dell, another Mike Williams day where he leaves the game injured. Just want to throw it's that out there for the Mike Williams that. truthers. Uh, yeah. No, I'm right with you uh, there. I'm right with you there on Brandon Ayuk. And, and some people say, well, he got most of his points from touchdowns. Yeah, he got two touchdowns, but he also had eight catches for 129 yards. Without the touchdowns, you'd take that out of your wide receiver position every single week. I'm with you. And we were pretty good on getting some wide receivers last week. You did give out Zay Flowers. He finished wide receiver 16, according to ESPN. I gave out Mike Evans, wide receiver 13. So we did pretty well picking out some wide receivers. I'm not talking about a guy you want to buy, though, this week, because I'm talking about a guy that you need to sell. Um, and I feel bad because, again, we're, we're bagging on this team. But Atlanta's not going to be able to pass the ball on Green Bay. They're not going to be able to pass the ball on Green Bay. Jair Alexander is a man on a mission. You saw it if you watched that Green Bay game. DJ Moore had two catches. One of those catches, Jair Alexander was on the other side of the field. Jair likes to fall at the number one wide receiver and shut them out and talk to them the whole entire time. He's my favorite Packer I think I've seen. I want to say in about 10 years, just because of the swagger he brings. He might get a 15-yard penalty every once in a while for being too much of a swagger guy, but he is there, and he's going to take Drake London out. You know how I know this? Drake London, did he get a target on Sunday? I think he's still waiting for his first target of the season. At <laughs> one point in the game, this is late into the third quarter, Desmond Ritter had 9 of 12 passes for, I think, 31 yards. They are not throwing the ball in Atlanta. They are not doing it. They are not doing it. And Drake London is a casualty of this. I'm sure they're going to try to get him in the action because Arthur Smith is going to be like, we need to get Drake London involved. So I'm sure you're going to see some early action out of him. He's going to have a higher floor than zero that he had last week. But I just don't think it's going to be anywhere close to a startable wide receiver playing against the defense he's playing against. So I'm out on Drake London. Sell him completely. See if you can trade him for something right now because uh, he's droppable, in my opinion. Dell, your third wide receiver. I tell you what, I, I wouldn't drop Drake London, but at the same time, I don't know who's trading for him. You're going to get pennies on the dollar. So it's just, it's, it's a really tough situation. My, my thought on Drake London is just wait for him to do anything halfway respectable and then trade yeah. him away. If he's, if Drake London scores three touchdowns this week, trade him because that that's when you want to try and sell and get the most out of it. Uh, I agree a hundred percent on that one, but for me, uh, you know, another, another receiver that I really like this week, just looking down the board, um, this is a guy that finished top 
11, top 12. And I actually think that it's not a fluke that he finished as a starting wide receiver. Uh, love the talent, possible year two breakout, New Orleans Saints, Rashid Shahid. Uh, really? Rashid okay. Shahid was being used like a Debo Samuel for the New Orleans Saints. They specifically drew up the play that got them the game-winning first down uh, at the end of that game and the win against the Tennessee Titans in week one here. So, again, like looking at the Saints overall, you know, Michael Thomas, he looked respectable, but we wonder can his health actually hold up over the course of a full season because it's been about three to four years since we've actually seen him do that. And then Chris Olave, I expect to get the attention of a lot of posing secondaries, very talented mm -hmm. receiver, top 10, borderline top 10 fantasy wide receiver. But Shahid is a real weapon. And we saw that the, the, the big plays he made throughout his rookie season with Andy Dalton, at quarterback, that's already being translated in week one. So look, I'm not saying Shahid's going to finish as a top 11 receiver like he did in week one, but if you need a wide receiver three, if you need a flex with high upside, he gives you that high upside to break off those big plays. Expect to see him on many sports center top 10 highlight reels to come because this guy's got, a, a, he's got the burners and Tony, what other wide receiver do you know of that? Where's the number 22? I thought he was a running back out there when I first <laughs> saw him. And then I realized it was Rashid Shahid. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, but he looked fantastic, and I expect the Saints to get a little better and more efficient on offense the more Derek Carr gets comfortable under center. So I had him as a borderline sleeper. I think he's just a stud waiting to happen in New Orleans, uh, in New Orleans this season. I was interested to see that one because I just don't know how that New Orleans – that Tennessee defense played their, played the, to the best of their abilities against New Orleans. So I was, I'm interested to see how New Orleans plays against a defense that isn't as good as Tennessee's because I think it could open up for all those players, including Rashid Shahid. My second wide receiver that I want to talk about, uh, you know I want to give out DJ Moore and tell him tell you got to sell him because Chicago played as poorly as they did, and I don't believe Justin Fields is an NFL quarterback. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go I'm going to go positive, okay? I already gave out a sell. I'm going to go positive. This is another guy like Drake London who scored a goose egg, and this is a guy who you probably drafted really, really high, and this is a guy who you're sitting at going like, well, do I start my third wide receiver over him? Like, what's going to happen? You got a zero. You got a zero. It's T. Higgins. Trust. Oh. Trust. Trust T. Higgins because this Cincinnati team, Cleveland played them really well. They were playing in a monsoon. Joe Burrow looked awful. And who do they get this week? They get a really tough Baltimore team. You guys remember Baltimore, right? Baltimore is the defense that punches you in the mouth, that tackles you behind the line of scrimmage, that elbows you in the head. This is not the same Baltimore defense. This is a Houston team that could move the ball against that Baltimore defense. And then Baltimore lost even more defensive players in the backfield that won't be playing in this game. Cincinnati needs to come up and get better and have a comeback game. And I don't know if they win this game. I do know that they perform a lot better. Guys like Robert Woods and Nico Collins were getting huge target shares and actually catching the ball for good yardage against Baltimore. Nico Collins and Robert Woods are nowhere near as good as Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Jamar Chase, you're all obviously going to start. T. Higgins, you might be on the fence on after his week one performance. Don't do it. T. Higgins bounces back big time this week. I'm starting T. Higgins everywhere. That's the second wide receiver I'll give you. Dell, last wide receiver we're going to talk about is the stash of the week, the guy that you need to put in your back pocket and make sure he's on your team. Might not start him, but he's definitely on your bench. You gave out Jaden Reed last week, and I think it was a very good decision. That guy was all over the place for Green Bay. I think he gets more involved as the season goes along. Who's your stash for this week? Yeah, so like I said, it was, it was Shahid for me. It was like the sleeper, starter, stash. I just I want him on as much teams as I can get right now, and he's, and he's not that high owned. But at the same time, there's a couple other guys in that 25% 
threshold area. And, and one guy that I want to talk about where maybe you don't want to start him here in week two, but a couple people might have dropped him because they might have been a little frustrated in week one from Kansas City. And that's another rookie wide receiver, Rasheed Rice. I, I think that you, you look at the struggles from, uh, you know, Kadarius Toney, um, how long the leash is he going to get? How big of a disappointment was Sky Moore when a lot of people started yeah. him thinking he was going to be the biggest beneficiary of Travis Kelsey's offense? But look, Rasheed Rice's routes were, were limited in that game, but he was targeted in the red zone. He did receive a very good target share in terms of his targets per route run rate, which is, which is a, a metric you want to look at when in terms of guys who talented guys who are going to get more playing time as the year goes on. So I think he's a guy I saw dropped in one of my leagues this week. I wanted to make sure I added him to my bench because look at your waiver wire. Like, you know who a lot of these guys are. Devontae Parker with the Patriots. Uh, yep. You know, we see with Marvin Mims, like I, he's a guy I was high on, but Jerry Judy's coming back into that offense now. So, yep. you know, the opportunities are going to go down for him. I think with Travis Kelsey in this offense is going to increase the efficiency and production from the receivers because they're going to have more room to operate. And I don't expect it to always be Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Justin Watson. We know who those guys are. So again, I'm not putting Rasheed Rice in my starting lineup, but he's, he's a guy who should not be on waiver wires unless you're in like a very shallow 10 team league. So he's my official stash of the week right now for week two. I like it. I picked him up in a few leagues myself. I think he could be a really, really good player, but uh, we got a bunch of names that we did not talk about from the first three positional groups, and obviously we're going to talk about tight ends in a second, but there's a bunch of people out there that we're going to quick hit right now with a little buy or sell. I'm going to give Dell some names, and I will say I had a bunch of names listed, and three of them you've already talked about in our in our, in our our group chat here. So I already know you're buying Brock Purdy's and uh, Rashid Shahid's of the world. So those are the names we're talking about right now. Dell, quick, one-word answer, buy or sell. I'll start the list right now. We can start the timer. The first name is my favorite, Puka Nakua. Buy. Yeah. Tutu Atwell, his teammate. Sell. Sell and Tutu, buy and Puka. All right. The Carolina tight end, Hayden Hurst. Sell. Stelling Hayden Hurst, Bryce Young's little safety valve, the Washington tight end, Logan Thomas, the return of Logan Thomas. Sell, that's an easy one. That's a lot of targets. Uh, Sam Howell looked at him a lot. Chris, another tight end that got a lot of targets. Granted, they didn't lead to a lot of yards, but this guy was targeted over 33% of the time for this team. Zach Ertz out of Arizona. I mean, I like Hayden Hurst more than the last two guys, but I'm selling Zach Ertz. Okay, okay, let's go to some better players. My man, Jordan Love. Huh? I'm buying. Huh? Buying. Really? I'm buying. I'll take it, baby. All right, let's get to a, a running back that surprised everyone. And if you drafted Cam Akers, 22 carries for 29 yards, you couldn't be angrier. But the name is L.A. Rams running back Kyron Williams. He's a big buy. Big really? Buy. Yeah. Let's absolutely. stay on that for a second. Why is he a big buy? Because of the, the volume that he had? Because of the offense? It's both because uh, they expressed last year they wanted to use him and feature him in creative ways. He got hurt. Yeah. They sat him out the entire preseason. They talked about making him their receiving back. And if he's running all the routes, getting all the targets, and Cam Akers you just want running into the offensive line, he's going to get the, the high-value touches. So tough matchup this week, but absolutely a buy. Uh, all right, two more running backs here. They both play on the same team, J.K. Dobbins replacements. First name is Justice Hill. I mean, Adam. See, oh, put it this way: Justice Hill or Gus Edwards? Who are you taking? I, I'd take Justice Hill. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think Gus Edwards gets more of the looks, though. I think Gus Edwards will never catch a pass. 
Justin yeah, Seale, maybe he catches a pass. You know, that's fair. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, three more pass catchers to throw uh, to throw us out. My man Romeo Dobbs. I'm selling. You're selling the two touchdown kicks. yards. Okay, fine. I mean, he's coming off a hamstring injury. They're working him back, but that's okay. I like, that's I like, okay. I like, I like Watson. Look, Watson, Reed, and Musgrave. I take all three of them over Dobbs. Unbelievable. All right, two more wide receivers. This guy might not play this week, but he will come back and was a big, big player the first week in a new offense for him, Jacoby Myers. Yeah, he's a buy, but he's probably not going to play, like you said, with the head injury. But uh, yeah. I, I think he could be a flex option, top 25, top 30 receiver consistently. He's a talented player. And the last one, this one is a name you we've all heard before and a name that just you never get excited about. But if they're going to use him the way they used him in week one against one of the best defenses in the league, against some of the best cornerback tandems in the league, he produced. The man's name is Kendrick Bourne. Sell because Devontae Ooh. Parker is coming back and uh-huh. the Patriots threw the ball 56 times. So yes, they did. <laughs> if, if, you re- if you reduce that to a standard 30, that means Bourne's only getting like six targets. So you have to look at the volume there. I don't expect that to be there. In a deep league, he's worth adding to your bench. But overall, you're never going to be able to sell higher than you are now, in my opinion. That's why, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. That was our buy and sell. Let's each give – we're just getting through a couple more positions here. I know it's been a long show, but let's give out uh, one tight end each here, Dell. One tight end each. Doesn't need to be a sleeper, a stash, a buy, or whatever. It's just one tight end you want to highlight, whether you're buying or selling him for this week in particular. Is there one tight end you want to circle and put your name on? Yeah. Um, one of my guys in the preseason, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns here, but uh, Jake Ferguson. Uh, it, was a bad, it was a bad first uh, first game for him. No, it wasn't. Uh, they, they, the Cowboys won. This is why you cannot just look at box scores, Tony. I mean, I watched that game, too. Every target was two yards. Yes, but he had six targets at halftime, and CeeDee Lamb had one target at halftime. So he, yeah. he is literally soaking up the targets. Dak Prescott, for three straight years, heading into 2023, led the NFL in terms of quarterbacks who targeted the tight end position. And if no other mm-hmm. tight ends are going to run routes like Ferguson did – then ignore the box score and, and buy him. Try to trade for him on the cheap, pick him up, because he's going to be a viable spot, top but, 10 starting tight end. But what's the difference between him, who had, again, six targets, and by halftime, all those targets were lower than five yards. He was the check down master, and that's usually the tight end in this system. What's the difference between him, Jake Ferguson, a guy who's not going to leap off the page athletically and make huge splash plays like a Darren Waller and all that stuff? What's the difference between him and the three tight ends we mentioned in buy or sell? Hayden Hurst, Logan Thomas, Zach Gertz. Obviously, older guys, names we've heard of before, but they're the same thing. It's the same thing. It's, it's a check down guy. He's a red zone threat. He's middle of the field. He's never going to be a splash player. But I'm getting it just target share for me. All four of them had the same amount of target share. They don't play for the Cowboys. It's a huge difference. <laughs> Offensive environment. If if Hayden Hurst played for the Cowboys, I'd be all over Hayden Hurst. He plays gotcha. for the Panthers. You saw how bad Bryce Young looked. DJ Sharks coming back into the mix. Uh, Zach Ertz and Logan Thomas. Their injuries waiting to happen. Uh, they've got talented guys behind them on the depth chart. So I want the tight end, the Cowboys offense. And if Ferguson's going to run 100 of the tight end routes in that offense, I'm starting. Period. Uh, the one tight end I want to bring up, I do love my guy, Musgrave. Just have to say, very happy with Musgrave week one, but it's not the guy I'm going to bring up. It's tied to the quarterback I brought up, Jared Goff. I think Sam Laporta has a huge day against this Seattle defense down the middle of the field. Tyler Higby, oh, he played so well and was open all the time for Matt Stafford against this same Seattle defense. And listen, 
We all love Bobby Wagner. That guy's walking into a gold jacket when he retires. He's one of the best players to ever play the game. There's a reason L.A. attacked him over and over and over again during that game because they had him in the, in the building last year, and they know what they can do in the passing game against him and his coverage skills. Sam Laporta should eat up this team. Ashton Amon Ross St. Brown, middle of the field, wide open. I love Laporta's chances in this offense. That's my tight end, Dell. You owe me an apology, Tony Squares. For <laughs> criticizing me ranking Sam Laporta over Kyle Pitts in week one. I, I want my apology right now. Th- thank you in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Kyle Pitts again was open 75% of the routes he ran. Desmond Ritter just doesn't know how to throw a football. Maybe it might be left-handed. It might be a Ben Simmons NBA thing. Maybe, maybe Desmond Ritter's left-handed. If we tried that out because he can't throw the ball with his right hand. Dell, who's the Dell defense of the week? Because again, last year, if we want to go, if we want to talk about receipts here, Dell, someone on this show gave out not 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 a defense that was a loser but a defense that was 32nd out of 32 teams last week as wow. the Dells defense of the week. Let's be better this week. Who we got? I did say I like Tua, so there you go. Uh, also the Chargers <laughs> dropped about three interceptions from Tua, but anyway, we yeah, I digress. Yeah, it was just um you don't want to go against that Dolphins offense right now. But okay, uh Man, I, there's a couple options, but you know what? A one that could be a borderline start. They're ranked as 14th overall in the industry right now in the consensus. Uh, it's your boys, man. Look at your jersey. Go I like the Packers. I, I, you know why I love the Packers? Is because you can't throw on them, and they don't need. They can sell out to stop the run against Atlanta. And if Atlanta needs to throw or has to throw against Green Bay, it's going to be a complete disaster. I, I expect Ritter – to get torn up against the Green Bay defense in week two. I really like Green Bay a lot. This has a chance to be a terrible running theme for us because uh, I I do love the Packers, but probably my favorite team uh, when we're talking about predictions this year was the Los Angeles Chargers, and you picked them as a defense, and they just got absolutely lambasted and then now you're taking my favorite team green bay against the team that they should beat up defensively and if green bay gets the crap kicked out of them i'm blaming you Dell. i think yeah, this is the kiss of death out of you for teams that i like and the defense that you pick but before we leave it's time for the kicker kicker winner winner kicker dinner some, some one day i'll get that right the winner winner kicker dinner who we got last last week it was uh the dallas kicker who i still don't know the name of he finished as the uh 11th kicker overall pretty good start yeah, so uh, I'm going to toot my own horn for this because there's 160 or so analysts in the Fantasy Pros Expert Accuracy Competition, and I was number one out of 150-plus in my kicker mm. accuracy rankings for week one. So I'm patting myself on the back for this one, even though some of my other positions weren't so great uh, after week one. But, you know, we live and learn, and we bounce back for week two here. But, uh, look, I said if Brandon Aubrey did well for me, I'd drop him and I'd pick up a backup running back to stash on my bench for the week, and I'm waiting until the week starts to pick up another kicker. And you know me, Tony. I'm looking for the game totals with 45-plus, 50-plus yep. points if we can get them. And, yep. you know, Brandon Aubrey's up there too, but at the same time, uh, you know, one guy I really like a lot. He's like a borderline top ten. I've got him inside my top four. Brandon McManus for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he's available mm. on your waiver wire, I, I love the point total and the offensive potential for a back and forth between Kansas City and Jacksonville. Both teams are going to be uh, hungry to rebound after kind of subpar performances there in week one. So I, I think I expect a lot out of both offenses, and I just want one of those kickers and one of those high uh, point total games. Brandon McManus for me. And that is it for the week two of the Fantasy Favorites podcast with Tony Squares and the 
prince of player props himself, Mr. Chris Dell. He is the sports editor of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and their lead fantasy analyst. Thank you to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for presenting this podcast, the North Shore Drive podcast family for having us on their channel, and of course, on YouTube at PG Sports Now for having us. These two pretty faces talk to you every week about fantasy football. Week two is going to be better than week one, I promise you. I cannot wait to watch some of these games. Let's get it on. See you next week, buddy. Let's do it. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh (laughs) Post-Gazette.